Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. How can I help you? I'd like to make a withdrawal. No problem. Congratulations, Andrew. It looks like your account is completely empty. Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. As Jesus got out of the boat, a madman from the cemetery came up to him. He lived there among the tombs and the graves. No one could restrain him. He couldn't be chained. He couldn't be tied down. He'd been tied up many times with chains and ropes, but he broke the chains and he snapped the ropes. No one was strong enough to tame him. Night and day he roamed through the graves and the hills, screaming out and slashing himself with sharp stones. And Jesus asked him, tell me your name. And he replied, my name is Mob. I'm a rioting mob. Then he desperately begged Jesus not to banish them from the country. And a large herd of pigs was browsing and rooting on a nearby hill. And the demons begged him, send us to the pigs so that we can live in them. And Jesus gave the order. But it was even worse for the pigs than for the man. And crazed, they stampeded over a cliff into the sea and drowned. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. One of the meeting place leaders named Jairus came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell to his knees beside himself as he begged, My dear daughter's at death's door. Come and lay hands on her so she will get well and live. They entered the leader's house and they pushed their way through the gossips looking for a story and neighbors bringing in casseroles and Jesus was abrupt. Why all this busybody grief and gossip? This child isn't dead, she's sleeping. Provoked to sarcasm, they told him that he didn't know what he was talking about. But when he had sent them all out, he took the child's father and mother along with his companions and he entered the child's room and he clasped the girl's hands and said, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And at that, she was up and walking around. Mark chapter 11, verse 15. 
They arrived at Jerusalem and immediately on entering the temple, Jesus started throwing out everyone who had set up shop there, buying and selling. He kicked over the tables of the bankers and the stalls of the pigeon merchants. He didn't let anyone even carry a basket through the temple. Then he taught them, quoting this text, My house was designated a house of prayer for the nations. You've turned it into a hangout for thieves. Mark chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so they could embalm him. Very early on Sunday morning as the sun rose, they went to the tomb and they worried out loud to each other, who will roll back the stone from the tomb for us? And then they looked up and saw that it had been rolled back. It was a huge stone and they walked right in. They saw a young man sitting on the right side dressed all in white and they were completely taken aback, astonished. And he said, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus the Nazarene, the one they nailed on the cross. He's been raised up. He's here no longer. You can see for yourself that the place is empty. Bank accounts. Hearts, Christmas presents, gas tanks, kitchen cabinets, garages, promises, nests, retirement funds. Nobody likes and nobody celebrates empty. We would even go so far to say that empty is bad. No, no, we don't like empty. We like full. In fact, what we really like is we like supersized full. I, I'm sorry. I'm in the McDonald's drive-thru ordering a, uh, uh, an order of French fries, and, and I ask them for large fries, and they give me one about this size, and I just ask them to pause so I can drive across the street to Kentucky Fried Chicken and borrow one of their buckets, and I want to come back and go through the drive-thru again and say, hey, your large wasn't enough. Could you supersize my fries and fill up this bucket? We like full. In fact, that's, uh, that's what we really love about Jesus. If, if you sit in church long enough and for any length of time, you will begin to hear preachers. You will begin to sing songs even as you talk to one another. For those of you that are at church on a regular basis, at some moment you are going to tout. You are going to rightfully so tout. Jesus' ability to feel. In fact, all I have to do is get a little preacher voice going and, and, and do a little uh-huh at the end and I can work you up talking about the feeling power of Jesus. Jesus can feel your life, yeah, with joy. Y'all get going with me. I know how y'all are. You ain't got to help me none. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus will fill your life with hope. Jesus can fill your life with peace. Jesus can fill your life with everything, abundance. Jesus can fill Fill your life with destiny. Jesus can fill your life with purpose. We get all excited about Jesus' ability to fill. And yet on Easter Sunday morning, I have taken a few moments and read to you four distinct moments in the life of Jesus found in the book of Mark 
that may seem to be totally separate occasions and perhaps even seem disconnected or unrelated. But I believe that these moments and many more that I don't have time this morning to reflect on weave for us a small but incredibly important thread of revelation that we must grasp. A glimpse of an overlooked ability that Jesus had. It is a promise and a truth that you need to learn on Easter morning. And that is is that Jesus, I, I, I would like to stand here and tout Jesus' feeling ability. But may I stop on an Easter morning and tout for just a few moments and brag on just a few moments the fact that Jesus has the ability to empty. Yeah, yeah, see, we don't shout much about that. Uh, Jesus had a habit of emptying things out. You go back and read the accounts for yourself. He had this habit of emptying out the temple. He had this uh, habit of emptying out graves, uninvited to funerals, and all of a sudden he would empty out the grave. He had this uh, tendency to empty out houses full of unbelief, and he even emptied people. Jesus was, in fact, an emptier. Uh, his mandate, his mission from Father was to come to this earth, to, to visit planet earth and, and, and to empty out hell. He was an emptier. And not only did he empty everything around him, the fact is, is that Jesus even emptied himself. Yeah. You, you go and you discover that, that, that here's Jesus sitting next to his father, standing next to his father in a dialogue. And the father says, hey, son, I've got a job for you. I want you to go to, to, to earth, and, and I want you to be born in a manger, and I want you to live a life. And then at the age of 30, they're going to they're gonna spit on you, and they're going to beat you, and they're going to crucify you. They're going to kill you, son. But it's got to happen so that there can be relationship. And Jesus goes, uh-uh. If you don't mind, I'll just mind my own business, Daddy. That doesn't sound like a thing I'm really interested in doing. That sounds like it's painful to me. If it's all right with you, I'll just stay up here in heaven and eat me a little bit of man. And uh, I'll just, uh, I'll just uh, enjoy the company of the angels, Father. But no, he is submitted to the will of the Father because before the foundations of the earth, the Lamb had already been slain. And he empties himself of the rights and the privileges of deity. He could have stayed in heaven, but he says, no, I will empty myself I, I will empty myself of all my rights I will empty myself of being deity and all the rights and the privileges that go along with that and I will come to earth he's an emptier he desires to empty and I believe that that is important and I believe that on Easter morning that that, that overlooked and often undertouted ability and tendency of Jesus is so important to us to learn this year because what Jesus knew and what we must learn is this. Catch this. You cannot be really full until you are fully empty. See, most of us, I, if, I should, if I ask you for a show of hands, you would, you, and I might just, uh, let me do it like, how many of you have ever, at some point in your life, uh, maybe, maybe you were serious about it, maybe you weren't, maybe it was just one of those things going on, but, but at some moment in your life, you prayed a prayer, and in your own words, in your own way, but, but somehow you had this dialogue with God, and you said, God, fill me. Feel me. Anybody, anybody ever pray that kind? Oh, yeah. I think, oh, some of you are lying in the house of God. I know most of us, come on. Feel me, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 
The problem with that is that some of us are so full of everything else. That when we cry out to God, fill us, fill me, God, fill me, what we're really asking him to do is to top us off. Just, just, just add to Jesus. Just add to what I've already got going on in my life. Just add to, just top me off. I, 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 I've got all this stuff going on in my life, and then I came to service, and the power, it was powerful praise and worship. So God, just fill me up from right here. Don't, don't remove nothing. Just fill me up from right here. Top me off. And I think what we really need to do this morning is to ask God to empty us completely so that he can fill us completely, because if we are not empty, then when we ask him to fill us, what we are in reality doing is we're just asking him to add to what's going on. The only problem is that is is that if you are full of a whole bunch of other stuff and you add God to what's already going on inside of you, then what takes place is is that about the moment that you're about to walk into your destiny, about the moment that you're about to gain victory, about the moment that you're about to take on new territory and new seasons and be productive in life and feel fulfilled and fulfill your destiny and all that, if you don't ask God to empty you first and he's just topped you off, then suddenly out of nowhere, doesn't it? on Monday morning, you had good church on Sunday, but on Monday morning in the privacy of your own little cubicle, somebody says something to you and it sets you off and out of you from where places you didn't even know existed, old things spring up and produce fruit. And you go, ooh, where'd that come from? It's because you were never emptied. Hidden anger, buried bitterness, pushed down pain, unresolved resentment. And we say, God, fill us. And he fills us with the things of God. And then all of a sudden, because the mailman looked at me wrong, because somebody cut in line in front of me. Something comes up out of us and we don't even know where it came from. And it's because he filled us on top of what was already there and we never allowed him to empty us. We become derailed. We become delayed we become deterred we become destroyed because we are so in love with God's ability to feel but we forget to ask him to empty us first and so what takes place is if we don't embrace and experience Jesus's ability to empty us then what we discover I know you've discovered this is that life will begin to beat you up and and the enemy of our own soul he lives up to his job description his job description is to steal to kill and to destroy and so he begins to work on us and, and so what happens is we're going through life and it's and and life itself and our enemies beating on us and destroying us and beating us down and we feel empty we feel void and if we don't allow Jesus to empty us what takes place is we become like the woman at the well y'all remember that account Jesus encounters this lady at the well and he looks at her and he says hey listen lady you've been you've had five husbands and now you're so desperate for acceptance and so desperate for somebody to love you and so desperate for somebody to, to wrap their arms around you and fill your life and to fill up the void and the emptiness that you feel. You are so desperate for that now, left to your own devices. Now you're living with a man that's not even one of your husbands. Empty. See, I've discovered something. I've discovered that when we 
don't turn to Jesus to empty us. What we do is we take matters into our own hands. And we try to fill the void and the emptiness on our own. And instead of making things better, we make things worse. I ain't got nobody to be honest in the house of God this morning. But I want you to know that most of us have tried to take matters into our own hands when we felt empty and void at times. And instead of making life better, we messed it all up. Because I've learned something in my short lifetime. I've learned that, that here is the truth that you've got to know is that Jesus has this ability to empty, but his emptying always leads to feeling. If you will allow Jesus to empty you, he will in turn fill you. But I've also learned that when we try to fill our own life, what happens is that our ability to empty and fill always leads to vacancy. You can try to fill your own life with relationships. You can try to fill your own life with materials. You can try to fill your own life with love. And you can try to fill your own life with potential and purpose. And you always come up vacant. Because it was Jesus that looked at that woman and said, Look, you're thirsty. You're empty. And if you drink of this water, you will always remain empty and thirsty. But if I empty you out and fill you, you will never be thirsty again. So it is essential that we become empty, but empty by Jesus. There, there, there is this powerful passage of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 43. It's a challenge, but there's also a promise. God is speaking to the nation of Israel, but He's also speaking to us. And God says to them this. Listen to what He says. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. I'm getting ready to help somebody. Do not dwell... On the past. See, I am doing a new thing. That's what he says. That's, that's the promise. He says, now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making, catch this, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. He's, he's giving us a challenge. He says to you, if you would forget the former things. In other words, if you would get past your past. Some of you can't get to your future because you can't get past your past. You can't forget about what aunt so-and-so and uncle say-say did to you and, and what, what your best friend did and what your ex did and what your brother did and what your sister did and what the boss did and what the math teacher did, what your dog did, what your neighbor did. And because of your past, you, can't, you will not allow God to empty you. To, and he says, if you could ever just move past your past and forget all that stuff behind you. He says, if you could get to that place, then what I will do is I will allow new things to spring up in you. Some of you haven't had anything new spring up in you for so long because you can't get past what's back there. And then, and then, and then he says this, he says, he says, I am going to make a way in. The wilderness. Oh, y'all ain't getting it yet. You're going to get it here in a second. And then he says, he go, he's going to be streams in the wasteland. In. In. In the wasteland. In. Not out of. In. 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 I-N-N. -N. Not out of. In. In. In the wasteland. Right smack dab in the worst day of your life. 
right smack dab in the barren place of your life, right in the middle of the worst week of your life, right in the middle of the worst month of your life, right in the worst decade of your life, right in the middle, not out of, in, 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 right in the, right in the middle of all that. He says, I will produce streams. In the middle of the empty place, he can produce life. You need to get this truth this morning. New things cannot spring up unless old things are gone. Hear me this morning. Please catch this truth. Empty is the soil from which new and God things sprout. I'm going to say that again because y'all didn't help me none and y'all got to get this. I hope you were writing down, filling in the blanks. Empty is the soil from which new and God things sprout. So maybe we aren't experiencing any streams because we despise, we fight, and we try to fill emptiness. And none of us like empty. We, we won't even get in the car when God's trying to speak to us and leave the radio off because we don't like empty. We, we'd be in the house all by ourselves, God trying to speak to us, and we're in six rooms away, and we'll turn the TV on for noise. We don't like empty. No quiet time, no time alone. We don't like empty. We, we want to ask God to be our provider, but we will do everything we can to f- and not rely on him because we don't like empty. We fight empty, and we will substitute things in our life for the presence and the feeling power of God and try to fill our own life because we don't like empty. But if there's no empty place, there can be no streams. See, it's in the barren, the burned up, the unbearable places of your life that we find God at work. I need you to hear me this morning. I don't know what you've gone through or what you've been through or where, what you're going to go through. All I know to say to you this morning is this. In the midst of your wilderness, in the midst of your wasteland, in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your bitterness, in the midst of your bruised place, in, I'll switch to D's. Maybe B's don't work for you. In the midst of your disappointment, in the midst of your disease, in the midst of your disillusionment, in the midst of your destruction, in the midst of your doubt. I can switch to K's. Well, that one would be hard. In the midst of your unknowing. That's an N. Yeah, you, but I'll take a K on that one too. We don't like empty. And I just came on an Easter morning to talk to you rather than bragging about God's ability to fill you. I just came to brag about his ability to empty you. See, I, I, I need to tell you this morning that what Easter is, is it's the ultimate and the clearest revelation of Jesus' power and ability too empty. So, in other words, what I have been praying for you and am going to pray for you today is going to seem really weird. 
I want God to make us empty people. You don't hear that in church much. Oh, fill them, God. Fill them. Fill them with power. Fill them with fire. Fill them with power. Yeah, but what if I just came to you and said that maybe empty is the greatest gift God could do, give you today. In fact, I want you to be so empty that when people rub up against you at work and when they come into contact with you at, at school and when they bump into you at the, at your, in your neighborhood, they, they go, man, that guy is empty. Like, like when, when, when the guy cuts you off, you have the right of way and he pulls out in front of you. And rather than communicating with him, he goes, man, if I was him, I would, and he, he goes, he must be empty. Or like you go to Walmart, and you, and you, and you, and you got like two, two items in your basket, and you see coming down the aisle, coupon Kathy, and and she's got like nine million items in your aisle, and she's fast. And there's like the 20 and under lane, and she's making a mad dash for it, and you got like two items, and you're slow. And she beats you, and then she turns around and gives you that, and you do nothing. And you say, I was going to let you go in front of me anyway. Because I wanted to see how much money one person could actually spend at Walmart. And she turns and she looks at you and she says, empty. I'm praying that you will become so empty that people will begin to look at you and say, and, and, and be so enthralled by the fact that you're not full of the old and that the, the, the old man is gone and the old attitude's gone and the old sarcastic remarks are gone and the old pain is gone and the old cutting words and the old anger and the old prejudice and the old hate is all gone and they look at you and your response can be, why are you looking for the living among the dead? I am empty. I am dead. It's not I that lives anymore. I'm so empty that when you talk to me, you're not even talking to me anymore. You're talking to Jesus. My life is so wrapped up in Jesus that I'm just a shell of a man. I got nothing left. I'm a dead man walking. There's nothing. I'm empty of all my stuff. And so now when I bump into you and when you think I ought to beat you down, instead I just smile and talk to you about Jesus because you ain't talking to me anyway. We say God wants our lives full. And oh, by the way, He does. In fact, one of the greatest promises in all of Scripture is in Jeremiah when He says, Man, I know my plans for you. I don't want to harm you. I don't want to do you wrong. I want to prosper you. We like that. But maybe we've forgotten that before you can become full, you got to become empty. 
So my question on Easter morning 2013 is very simple. It's not that even that profound. It's just simple. Here's my question posed in several. What are you full of? Now, some of you have no problem answering that because your spouse told you on the way what you were full of. <laughs> I know how you are. I know you smiled, woo, hallelujah in church, but in the, uh, whatever. <laughs> but what are you full of? If people could boil your life down to one attribute, what are you full of? Well, well he's full of pride. She's full of anger. He's, he's full of shame, full of regret, full of remorse, full of pain, full, full, full of, of, of sickness, full of, full of hate, full of prejudice. What are you full of? Because until you allow God to completely empty you, he cannot completely fill you. Many of you walked in here today three-quarters full. And now in the presence of God, you say, God, fill me. Fill me up, God. You get a quarter tank of God. The only problem with that is about Friday, shoot, some of the kids you live with about Sunday afternoon, you run out of the quarter tank. And so now all of a sudden, all that's left is the three-quarters tank of what you were already full of when you got in here. And now all of a sudden, out of the depths of your spirit, start, stuff starts rising up because you ran out of the quarter tank. No, no, no. What, what, what's got to take place on Easter Sunday morning for us to be everything that God wants us to be, the greatest promise that we have out of Easter is that God has the ability to empty. I'm ready for you to... To run out. You're running on three quarters full. I, I, I can make it. I can, I can get my calendar full. I can, be, I can have relationships. I can have friends. I, I'll, I'll become distracted by possessions. I, and you're running on three. I'm praying that somehow, someway on Easter Sunday morning in 2013, somehow, someway this morning, right in the presence of God, all of a sudden... we could ever get to E he could get us to F and fill us with everything that he has for us but if you don't allow him to completely and totally empty you this morning then you're going to run out of what you got this morning sometime this week and you're going to fall back into what you were already full of and it's going to destroy your life What are you full of? I came to tell you this morning that an empty tomb echoes with this truth and the proof that one of God's greatest abilities and one of his greatest gifts to us is that he can empty us fully. And so this morning, I, I just want to I, I tell you that I've been praying that you would show up today and that you would leave Passion Church completely. This is going to be different. Completely and totally empty 
You walked in here full of all kinds of things. But my prayer is that as you've encountered the presence of God, that you will examine your own life and say, God, I'm full of all this stuff. And you will be able to walk out of Passion Church on Easter Sunday morning and you will be completely and totally empty of everything but Him. That is the story of Easter. I'm glad that Jesus has the ability to fill us with life and life more abundantly. But today I would just like to brag on him for just a moment and say, he emptied out of my life shame over my past. He's emptied out of my life pride. He's emptied out of my life things that I used to turn to for fulfillment and I stand before you today and want you to stand here too where you can come to the place and say though I live it's not I that lives anymore it's Christ that lives in me I'm empty and I'm alright with empty because Jesus always comes behind the E and pours in what we need So, Father, this morning, I could stand up here on an Easter morning and pray over these folks and ask you to fill them, but today I, I, I want to backtrack, God, and I want to ask you instead, would you please, please, would you please empty us completely? God, I pray in the name of Jesus that as we examine our own lives, you would empty us of everything so that we can be full of all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, would you stand with me this morning? I would, I would fail in my task and fail in my responsibility and I would cheat you out of a God moment if I didn't do what I'm about to do. I want every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around except my prayer team. They're only looking so that they can pray intelligently. I don't know. You may have walked in this house this morning with no relationship with Jesus. And I just need to tell you today that you'll never be full. You can try all the things of the world. You can try everything that you think will fill you and it will come up short. It will never satisfy. And God has worked it out today for you to be in the house for this moment right now. For this moment. You need Jesus. If you're here and you say, Steve, I don't know Jesus as my Savior. I'm not in relationship with Him. I sense the emptiness of my own life. And I desperately need Jesus to come into my heart. I desperately need relationship with Him. If that's you this morning, with no shame or embarrassment, because we've all been here, and we will not embarrass you, I promise. If that's you, would you just simply raise a hand and pull it right back down so that we can pray intelligently. I need Jesus in my life today. 
Is there one? I'm going to wait just a moment. You would honestly and transparently say, I need Jesus. Yeah, there's one. Anybody else that would say, I need him today. I need to give him my heart. I need to give him my life. This is your moment. It's what Easter's all about. Because we're family here. We do this together. Would you take your neighbor's hand right now? We're going to pray this together. The Bible says this. There's nothing magic about the prayer. It's this. The Bible says that we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart. When faith is mixed at that moment and we establish Jesus is Lord, we are saved. I'm thankful this morning that somebody's coming home. That God is going to empty them out right now and then fill them up. Would you all pray this together with me? Dear Jesus, you came, you lived, you died, you rose again. I accept the sacrifice. I'm a sinner. Make me clean. I establish you. I invite you to become the king, to become the savior. To become the Lord of my life. I give you my everything. Empty me out of my sin. Fill me with your life. Live in my heart. I'll live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for new birth this morning, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For the one that raised their hand. I want to challenge you this morning to here in just a moment to make your way to the green room. And we've got some materials that will help you in your journey. But I want to tell you some good news this morning. Because you've come home, the Bible clearly states that a party is going on in heaven right now. The angels are rejoicing. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. You're one of us. One of the sons and daughters of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I think it's appropriate on Easter morning to take stock of our own lives. I I know you looked in the mirror when you got up this morning and got ready because you couldn't look that good if you didn't spend some time in the mirror. But some of us need to Have another mirror moment right now where we examine our lives, not our clothes, our lives. And we ask ourselves a very difficult question, what am I full of? If people around me could come down to one attribute of my life, what would they say about me? I'm going to give you a moment to wrestle with that question. Some of you are less than what you want to be. Some of you are broken. Some of you could say, my issue is pain. Answer the hard question in your own life right now. What am I full of? What defines me? Oh, it's an uncomfortable question. But it's a necessary question. Because we can't really be full until first 
we're fully empty. And so at this moment, I want to pray over you a prayer that asks God to make you empty. But you've got to ask Him to. I'm not asking you to pray for God to fill you at this moment. I'm asking you to pray, God, empty me of that thing. I want to forget the former things. God, I want new things to spring up in my life, but I recognize that where there's no dry place, there can be no streams. Where there's no emptiness, there can be no way made. I pray in Jesus' name. Come on, will you pray for yourself? Father, right now, I pray over my folks today. I pray in Jesus' name right now that you would empty us. God, we examine our lives right now, and the thing that we are full of, that one thing that defines us, that one thing that causes us to feel full, but we're not. I pray in Jesus' name right now that the truth and the proof of the resurrection would speak to us. And we would rely on your ability, Jesus, to empty us. God, I pray that you would allow folks to leave today completely and totally empty so that you can in turn completely and totally fill them with the things of God. I pray right now that sickness would be emptied out of people today. God, I pray that addictions would fall off of and out of people's lives today. God, I pray that bitterness would be thrown aside today. God, I pray that brokenness would be thrown aside and healed today. God, I pray that pride, I pray that apathy, I pray that sin, I pray that prejudice, I pray that hate, I pray that judgment, I pray that jealousy, I pray that everything that fills us up, God, empty us out, empty us of shame, empty us of regret, empty us of all those things, I pray, empty us so that we can be filled. God, we stand before you today, not three quarters full, asking you to top us off or add to. We stand before you today, asking you, empty us completely. Come on, you got to pray that for yourself. Empty me completely. Empty me completely. And then, Father, I, I declare on the authority of your word that in the middle, in the midst of wasteland, streams would begin to flow. Oh, somebody's going to get that. That was for somebody in particular. In the middle of what we thought was a wilderness. It's been the worst month of my life. It's been the worst year of my life. It's been hell on earth. But right in the middle, when I ran out Jesus run in 
bring streams right now. Do a new thing. Fill up the empty places with more of you than we can contain. And Father, I pray over my folks that right now they will run into somebody this week and that person will look at them and say, that's the emptiest person I ever met in my life. And we'll be able to respond. Well, why are you looking for the living? I died so that Christ could live in me. I ask all these things in the emptying power and name of Jesus, the one who emptied so many things so that he could fill us with every good thing. And we will praise you for it and give you glory for it. We'll testify. When somebody asks us how our Easter went, we we'll say, oh, it was great. Easter emptied me. So there, I'm empty, 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 empty. So that you can fill us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Will you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? This it's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.